As we come to the study of God's Word today, I want to put this word up there for you. Just look at that verse. It kind of summarizes everything. Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes. How? In the radiance of your purity. And then there's a result. Cause our faith to rise. Cause our eyes to see what? Your majestic love and authority. Words of power that can never fail. Let their truth prevail over unbelief. I'm not sure why you're here. Some of you might have just come because that's what you do on Sunday. Some of you are visiting here, just come in from community. But the Lord God himself knows that you're here and he's brought you here. So let's hear what God's word says to every single one of us here, including me. God, speak to us through your word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being able to sing your praises, to sing beautiful hymns and songs written about the truth that you've taught us through your word. Thank you that we can sing these back in acknowledgement of who you are and what you've done for us. And Lord, thank you for that great privilege we have of being able to gather together here this morning as believers. Not just to encourage each other, but together to sit under your word. And you've promised that you are right here among us. And you speak to every single person here in your own way. And it might be a different message to every single one of us. But that's how you work through your word. And the Lord, the prayer on our hearts this morning is, may our hearts be open to what you are saying, not an opinion, it is your authoritative word that you put on our hearts. May we put ourselves under your word. We are mere human beings. You are almighty God. Speak to us through your word, we pray. Change us. Make us to be more like your son so that the world will know that you live as we go out into this society today. Use this time for your glory now, we pray. Amen. Well, open God's Word, and we're still in the study of Hebrews. Um, we're going through Hebrews, and today we come to the next section, which is um, the end of chapter 2. Sorry, the end of chapter 3. Where are we now? I'm getting lost here. The end of chapter 4. It's going fast, isn't it? End of chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. And um, I said last week as we came through that the whole topic of what is the rest of God, when it says that we enter into God's rest, what does that mean? And we saw it's that overwhelming blessing that comes upon us when we are obedient to His Word by putting faith into action. We hear what God's Word says and we put faith to His Word. We believe His Word. 
And then it brought this section in on, on God's Word. And it kind of seemed as if it's there in the middle of nowhere, but it actually serves a really, really important function. So let's go and look at those verses. And I just want to read um, from verse 11 of chapter 4, now that I'm with myself. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I just want you to go back to verse 13. Look for your name there under the exception clause. You see it? No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we all need to hear what God says to us today. You see, words are powerful, and we just think of human words. On a very lucky day, if you tell your kids, I want you to tidy your room, it might happen. But words can excite people. Look at the look of wonder in your kids' eyes when you say to them, guess what, we're going on holiday. The mood changes, right? Hopefully. You can make a person laugh, and that same person you can make cry just through words. Two people can be joined together as man and wife through words and God's blessing. And wars start with words, and hopefully the two thoughts aren't related now. If you link words to artificial intelligence, you can do quite amazing things too. In the mornings, I tell my dear friend Alexa, Alexa, what's the news please? And she kind of comes up with news. It's not usually good news, though. So I'm thinking of swapping in Alexa. But we can make gadgets start, stop, kettles switch on, fridges adjust their temperatures. You can command your vehicle to do all kinds of things, and it's coming more so. You see, human words can accomplish a tremendous amount already, but they are... They pale into insignificance when you come to God's words. Because God's words are really different. God's words are alive and creative. God's words spoken can create animate objects from the inanimate. create substance from nothing. Genesis. Let there be light. Words were spoken. And what happened? There was no Alexa around. Light was created instantly through God's spoken word. God spoke again, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. And what happened? The sun, the moon, the stars, the planets appeared because of his breathed out spoken word. He created them through his words. Lazarus. Come forth, and a dead man in the tomb, wrapped up, came alive and walked out of that tomb. 
Those are God's words. And then God didn't stop there. God gave his words to men to be written down. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, those words were written and compiled. And in the end, we have God's word so that we can read it. Think about that. The same words that were used to create the planets and the stars, God's given us His words in a book. That blows my mind. And then He gave us a command and He said, Listen to my words, because my words bring life and change and hope in your life. They are living words. Very different to human words. And how does he bring this life in us? John 6, 63. I'll read you the verse which says this. John 6, 63. Listen to it. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. When God speaks, the Spirit makes those words come alive. And so we need to listen to his word. You see, why is this statement brought into the middle of a passage on God's rest? It's because God's word brought these believers who were weak, fearful, and doubting Hebrew Christians. God had told them to strive for his rest, right? But they couldn't do this through their own efforts. They couldn't do this by just being more religious or trying to be more holy. They had to do it through obedience to God's word. Very specifically, God gave them His Word through Jesus Christ. And He said, I want you to apply faith, which results in obedience when you listen to my Word. And so His Word was there to encourage them. His Word was there to bring their unbelieving hearts back to faith. But how would they know if their hearts were hearts of unbelief? That's the whole point. And the passage here says, allow God's word to do the assessment on your heart. That's what his word's for. His word is there to assess your heart and mine. To see if we are walking in line with God's word. And so it's a living word. How do God's words affect human beings? You see, there are three ways and more actually. I'm just highlighting three now. But God's word... And human beings. Human beings can't remain neutral towards God's word. You can't read God's word or hear God's word and remain neutral as a human being. You either believe or you don't believe. There's no in between. And so the words you will hear today, you either believe or you don't believe. There's no gray ground. You can't remain neutral. And if you think you can... You're lying to yourself. God's word demands a response. You see, there's a second point. God's word doesn't remain neutral in our contact with it either. How do we know that? When you're exposed to God's word, when you hear God's word, it does something to you. Whether you like it or not, God's word is active in you. You see, God has said in Isaiah 55 verse 11... My word goes out from my mouth. 
It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose it to do, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I've sent it. So you might have walked into this church service today. You were just coming to church, but you're hearing God's word, and it's going to affect you in some way. You're either going to accept what he says or walk out of the door and reject it with the consequences that come from it. And in the end, God's word will have an effect. It will either bless you or judge you. So then how does God's word work? Let's look at that. Verse 12 of chapter 4. So this is how God's word works. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, for all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. How does God's word work? There's a metaphor here, a picture, if you've picked it up already. It's a surgical picture. There's a, there's a word used in the Greek, it's machairon. It's a very sharp sword. A dagger, literally a dagger which cuts meat. And it's a blessing. It's a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. It's not a dagger being held over your heart. It's a positive thing. Why? Because we see there's a surgeon at work. The picture here is drawn from the medical world. And be glad you didn't live in these times. Verse 13 says that in front of God's word, we are stretched out and naked before the eyes of God. You see, in the era in which this was written, there were no fancy sterile operating theaters. There were no people dressed in little blue uniforms who gave you injections and made you go to sleep. A patient was stripped of their clothes, naked, complete butt naked. They were washed down, and then their hands and their feet were tied to stakes as they were lying on a bed because they didn't want contamination from, clo from anything, from clothes or anything. And then they were given a very strong drink just to kind of put them a little bit to sleep. Or they were given a knock on the head to knock them unconscious. They did that on boats, on ships. Especially when limbs had to be removed. You don't want to be awake for that one. And then the surgeon would take the strong knife, or the very sharp knife, with the scalpel-like blade, and he would cut into the person. What was he trying to do? To kill them? Many times they did, yes, because they didn't know too much about surgery, but it was in an effort to heal, wasn't it? And God's word in this metaphor is like this. It cuts skillfully into us. God's word, when we hear it, it discerns, it assesses, it distinguishes in our hearts what is godly and ungodly. And to man, the soul and the spirit are indistinguishable, and, and the terms are used interchangeably in Scripture. But God can, as it were, even distinguish between these indistinguishable things with His word. He separates. And this incredible cutting power of God's word then goes to work in us. 
It separates our thoughts into good and evil. And it says he even knows what we're going to think before we think it. And then God's words brought to bear on us. And in today's technology with a laser, it would cut. And it would cut that sin in us and cut it out. And so bring healing in us. Who does this cutting with the word? Revelation 1.16 tells us who. Listen to this. Who does the cutting? I can hear the answer already. Not. Sorry. Listen to this verse. It's a description of Jesus Christ glorified. And this is what verse 16 of chapter 1 says. In his right hand he held seven stars. That's the churches. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged machairan, a double-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Do you see your surgeon at work using the scalpel of his word? And he himself is, John 1.1, 1, 1, the word. He is doing the work in you and I. And so the word comes from him and it cuts into us. And it's a word of discernment and healing. And that's why sometimes when you'll hear God's word, you'll feel unsettled and uncomfortable. He's doing surgery in you. Sometimes it'll be painful. But it's for your good. Because it points out in your life what is wrong. And he's busy cutting that out and making you more holy. What is holy? Not a little thing around your head. More set apart for him. More looking like Jesus Christ. Allow that unsettlingness in you. Allow that uncomfortableness in you. Don't kick against it. Allow God to do his work in you. It's for your good. You will heal. Because he has promised. He's the great physician and the great surgeon. And so it's up to us how we respond to this cutting work of God's word. Do we try to ignore it? Push it aside? Because then the blade cuts deeper. Because obviously there's sin that's not being taken out. And it cuts deeper. Do you harden some areas of your heart to God? Those things you don't really want to get rid of? Those pet sins? He will cut it out of us. He can't excuse sin in our lives. Why? Because God's word will have its way. He's a holy God and it will achieve the purposes for which God has sent it into your life and into mine. It will have its way in us. And therefore we need to just submit to this healing work of the surgeon and be obedient to him and you will enter into the rest of God. Trust Him. When you go under the surgeon's knife in a 2021 surgery, hopefully you trust that surgeon. Hopefully you know that they will do their very best for you and that you will heal. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a second lesson here. If you see, if you look at verse 13, there's another little word here, and that's the word exposed. We are naked 
and exposed. You see, as the creator of everything, God is all-seeing. That's what the text says there. What does it say? Verse 14, 13. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You see, as the creator of everything, God is omniscient. He's all-seeing. And that's great comfort to you and I. It's not a threat. It's a comfort to you and I as believers. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9. Listen to this. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth. He's all seeing. Why? In order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Old Testament. God does this for our good. He sees everything. He's omniscient. You can't hide from God and you can't hide anything from God. Adam and Eve tried that right at the beginning. They sinned before the Lord. What did they do? They tried to hide. What did God do? He said, Adam and Eve, where are you? He knew. He wanted them to respond. What have you done? Physical, spiritual hiding. Just futile, you see. The Lord can see body and soul with equal crystal clear clarity. Day is night. Night is day. And we may fool other people. We may even fool ourselves. But we can't fool God. He judges. He assesses our hearts through His Word. Now, why? Because we are exposed before Him. The word exposed in the original um, terminology here was to bear the neck. To get things out the way. To bear the neck. Why? There's two applications here. The one was in a criminal trial. In a criminal trial, it's very different to our trials today. People don't respect the court systems anymore. But you did respect the court system in those times. Because what they did was, when you came before a criminal judge for a criminal case, they would take a very sharp dagger, same word, machayan, and they would tie it here to your neck with a point sticking up under your chin. You couldn't look anywhere but up at the judge. That's one part of the picture. And then there's another one. In the arena, a gladiator would pull his beaten opponent's head back and expose the neck with his sword on the neck. You knew what was going to happen next, right? And then he would look at the judge and wait for the signal. Live or die. That's the, that's the picture put here before us because script, the scripture was written in that era. and The people knew the picture. So there's the picture of what Scripture does. Scripture exposes our sinful ways to God the judge. Scripture says, here is sin. What is your verdict, God? And it's God's word. You see, in the Old Testament, God used various pictures with Israel. One of them that we looked at when our men's group was studying Amos was a plumb line. And builders here, any builders? Yes, we've got a few builders a plumb line. Well, you guys use lasers now. You don't use plumb lines, but anyway. So plumb line is a line that would hang um, vertically down and you would build against a wall against it so that you could build it up straight, right? And the Lord was saying to Amos, uh, to, the, to the Israelites during the time of the prophet Amos, he was saying, I've held the plumb line up against the wall of you, Israel, and you have come out skew. What was the plumb line? 
It was God's word. The Old Testament commandments, the Ten Commandments He had given to them. And He was holding them to those. And because they were trying on their own, through a sacrificial priest system, their lives as Israel, and we know the history of Israel, was coming out all skew. God was measuring them against His word. And to these New Testament believers in Hebrews, and to us today in 2021, God has given us His revealed word through Jesus Christ. And He holds our lives up against His word and His Son. And He measures us. So His word exposes us to the judge of all creation. To whom we must give account, says verse 13. You know that song we often sing? Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No exceptions. If you're sitting here in this auditorium today, you will stand before Jesus Christ and He will hold up the plumb line of His word and His commands against your life. And if you measure up through the life of Jesus Christ, because you put your trust in Jesus Christ, He will say to you, come into my eternity with me. You are blessed. But if he holds up his word against your life and you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ, he will say, depart from me, worker of iniquity, into the hell I've prepared for you. I know it's not a a popular gospel anymore, but it's God's word. We must give both parts of that story. So God's word exposes us to the judge. And you know, that sounds very daunting because I know the realities of my life. And you know the realities of your life. But fortunately, Scripture doesn't stop there. Look at the next. We're going to go a little bit ahead into next week, but I'm not going to preach there now. You see, here's here's the, the hope for us. Verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, I love those verses and I can't wait for next week. Because in light of God's word, it's exposed me. And I know I'm a sinner before him. But there's grace available to us. We have this great high priest who can atone for the sin in my life. And we've just had the Lord's table and we've just remembered that Jesus Christ died for my sin. He died for yours. There is God's free grace given to you. And we have a sympathetic son of God. Why is he sympathetic to us? Because he was a man like you and I. He understands our weaknesses. He was tempted like we are. And therefore, if we come through Jesus Christ, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence and there find God's mercy before His judgment. We can find help to heal us from our sinfulness. Praise the Lord. So what do we do with this passage? Two points I want to highlight for you. God's living word heals and judges. It's the very same word which brought the stars, the galaxies, and all those massive works of creation, plus the little ones in us that we can't even see, 
except through microscopes and electron microscopes. God did all those great things. His word did. And the same word works in you and me to heal and to change. But the question God has put before you and I today is, do we resist that change or do we welcome it? His word will have its way. Why? Because Jesus Christ loves you and he loves me and he wants to make us like him. And if you're not a believer, he loves you. And he loves you as a human being. Why? Because you are created in the image of God. And so he says to you, come to me. Bow the knee to me. Acknowledge that I am creator God. And then as I've promised in my word, I will save you. Because if you search for me, I will find you. I know where you are. I can see you. Second point of application is this, and it's very practical. I try to make this practical as I can. In light of what God's word is and what it does and the power of God's word, why do we play so loosely with his word? There's one word that's the answer to that. Sin. Why do we play so loosely with God's word? It's sin. Think of the excuses we use not to read the word. I'll give you some. I know them. I'm too busy to read God's word today. Really? Of all the things you do during the day, the whole day, there's no time to read of this love story of your creator and your savior. Are you that busy? Here's another excuse. Ah, it's too hard to understand. I read stuff in Lamentations and Revelation. But actually, you know, the Bible's written so that you can understand it just with a plain reading. It's English in your versions, hopefully. You haven't got a Greek one in front of you. It's English. You can understand English. Just read it. And if it's an old English, get a modern English Bible so you can understand it. But read his word. You can understand most of it. There are some harder passages, but with a little bit of homework, those things will become clear to you as well. Don't make the excuse of it's too hard. That's just an excuse that's got a slight ring of truth to it. It's still an excuse. Here's another one. I don't like the Bible. Well, all I can say, my friend, is you've got bigger problems. It's not God's word that your issue's with. It's with the living God himself. It's his word. What will you do with that? And then a very practical one is, okay, I've come to, I want to read God's word, but I don't know where to start. Well, come see me if you want to, and I'll help you, but just start somewhere. And I'd suggest start with the J's, not Jeremiah though. Start with the J's in the New Testament. John, James, 1 and 2, 3 and 1, 2 and 3, John. Or if you're an app person, get the Uversion app. Or get the Explore app, which many in the church use, and just start reading God's word. But start. And God will show you where to go from there. And if you're still stuck, come and see me. And I will give you help as well. You see, we can come up with hundreds of excuses if we don't want to read God's word. But think of what God's word is. 
And then put your excuse next to God's word. And then this, this old expression rings so true. This book will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Which is it? You see, if we've got a right attitude before God, then we'll have the attitude of Psalm 119. And I just want to read you a few verses from Psalm 119. It won't be the whole Psalm. Psalm 119, verse 97 to 107. Listen to this word. When he uses the word law, it's your word. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. You know, I just want to stop there for a minute. Isn't it so true? When you become a believer and you start reading God's word, he gives you new insights, things that you never understood before. That's what it's talking about. I'm wiser than my teachers. He gives the understanding through his word. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. There's faith and action. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it. To do what? To keep your righteous rules. There's the strive word in this passage in Hebrews. Strive. Make an oath before God that with your help, Lord, and through the assessment of your word, I will live a life which glorifies you. And I will trust you. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Without your word, Lord, where would we be? We'd still be back and just trying to hold on to those commandments. And even, we, even though we know, Lord, that those commandments still apply, you've given us the light of the rest of your word. And above all, Lord, you've given us you, yourself, Jesus Christ. You've made a way for us back to the Father, and you've said, now trust me, and I will keep this word perfectly on your behalf. Lord, help us to trust you in faith and hold to the word that you've given to us with all our lives. Whatever the circumstances, whatever may come our way, we will trust your word because of who's behind it, you, almighty God. Help us in our weakness, we pray. Amen.